What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Today on the Everything 80s podcast, the Howard the Duck movie, Marvel's Secret Shame. Hey, what's happening? How are you? Thanks for coming on out to the Everything 80s podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm glad you made it. Today we're looking at the infamous Howard the Duck movie. And how could this have possibly gone wrong? It had so much promise. And we'll look at this whole train wreck and disaster and, you know, why it can be considered Marvel's secret shame within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before we get to it, make sure if you haven't subscribed to the podcast wherever you find your podcast, that way it is automatically sent to you. I don't have to hand deliver it, mail it, saves me time on postage. I'm anywhere. I think you would find Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, Google Play, everything. Okay, let's do this. So in case you don't know about this thing, Howard the Duck was a science fiction comedy that came out in 1986 based on the Marvel comic book. It starred Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Um, it was originally going to be an animated movie. It ended up as a massive failure, and <laughs> we're going to look at why. It's All the pieces were there for this thing to be great. You've got one of the best movie guys of all time producing it, George Lucas, believe it or not. It had only been a few years since Return of the Jedi, so he's fresh and hot and all this sort of thing. You also had Leah Thompson, who's just come off Back to the Future a year earlier. It had elements of science fiction, comic books, comedy. Everything should have worked, but it didn't. (laughs) So let's look back on who was Howard the Duck and the character and everything like that before we look at the train wreck of the movie. He was created, the character Howard the Duck was created by Steve Gerber and Val Mayurek, sorry if I'm screwing that up, and not Stan Lee, who, you know, maybe borrowed some of his ideas from time to time. Howard the Duck debuted in Adventure into Fear number 19, which came out on December 13th, 1973. It tells the story of an anthropomorphic creature who is in a fish out of water situation and stuck on Earth. Kind of like the early version of E.T. and a little bit of Elf thrown in. He was a three foot tall duck that wears a shirt and tie and often found smoking a cigar. Like other classic cartoon characters, Howard doesn't wear any pants. So this led to comparisons and the inevitable lawsuits by Disney as there seemed to be an obvious connection with Donald Duck. Marvel would have to, you know, change up the look and write in, you know, a progression of different clothing options and how he was going to be physically different from Donald Duck. It ended up with him wearing a suit and that was uh, able to get Disney off their backs, which is funny because Disney now owns Marvel, so that was all sort of like a moot point. The character of Howard the Duck is, he's irritable, he's cynical, he doesn't see anything special about himself except that he is a duck. 
He basically just wants to be left alone, but ends up getting dragged into various situations because he stands out. So then this is how he's introduced, and he appeared in different um, comic series called uh, Man-Thing and different, and then he finally gets his own um, comic series called Howard the Duck, and I actually was able to track down some of the original, I got the original one on eBay and a few of the first other episodes. So the focus on his comic was a bit of a social satire and there was some parodies of various other works. So a real focus in Howard the Duck's own comic was on his, you know, Howard's existential view of life and that any dumb or serious moment in life was often only distinguishable by a momentary point of view. He he didn't have any superpowers. He was skilled in quack foo, which was uh, allowing him to hold his own in a lot of fights. And according to the comics, he has some sort of degree of mystic talent and he's offered to be trained by Dr. Strange to kind of further develop his skills. So Howard the Duck, it's probably like news to a lot of people, again, depending when you grew up or how big you were in the comics. He found a lot of success in his own standalone comic book series. The first issue came out in 1976, and it caught on pretty well, I think just because of the uniqueness of the character, maybe a bit of that similarity to Donald Duck. Um, But it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of other options for entertainment based on comic book stuff. You know, we don't have uh, Superman. The movie's not even out yet. We're not into any of, you know, Star Wars or, you know, anything science fiction-y was pretty much comic based at that point but tower of the duck caught on well there's even the incident of howard being involved in that year's presidential election in one of the comic issues there was a fictional political party called the all night party and they had the slogan get down america the issue came out during the presidential campaign of 1976 and howard the duck would actually get thousands of write-in votes in the actual election They tried to capitalize on this by putting him into uh, a newspaper comic strip from 1977 to 78 to enhance his popularity and to try and get him more into the mainstream. I could go way more into the comic. Uh, There's a ton of history, but this is sort of the focus on the movie. But one last interesting thing from that time period is that they recorded a pilot of a Howard the Duck radio show starring James Belushi as Howard. Okay. So this is now getting Howard to the big screen. So the origins of this movie go back as far as the creation of the original comic and back to George Lucas. So he had just finished American Graffiti, which if that movie had not been the success it was, we never would have got Star Wars, Indiana Jones, basically his this whole career if that thing didn't take off. But he was already interested in Howard the Duck and interested in turning that into a movie. American Graffiti had connected Lucas with Willard Hayek and Gloria Katz, who he had met in film school, and he knew they were very talented writers. When American Graffiti wrapped, he started talking about this funny comic that had some real film noir components to it. But it would have to sit on the back burner for a while because he had a little robot and monster space movie to work on that would end up changing the world and film forever. In 1984, fresh off of the Star Wars trilogy... He now turned his attention to producing films, and this wacky duck comic was still in the back of his head. Universal Studios were the ones that got on board with Howard the Duck, the movie, when they worked at a partnership with Marvel Comics. Not only was Universal 
on board, but they were dying to make it because they had originally passed on Star Wars and didn't want to miss the boat with another George Lucas project. But they probably should have in this case. Here's the plot of the movie. Quick synopsis. Howard is beamed to Earth from Duck World where he lands in Cleveland of all places. He ends up saving a rock singer named Beverly, that's Leah Thompson, from a bunch of thugs, and they kind of form a relationship, if you want to call it that. Beverly introduces him to Phil, played by Tim Robbins, who works at a lab with a scientist, Dr. Jenning, played by Jeffrey Jones. Jenning tries to return Howard back to his home, but ends up transferring an evil spirit into his own body instead. Howard, Beverly, and Phil are now in for the fight of their lives. The spirit has now become the dark overlord of the universe. And Howard is able to blow him to smithereens with a neutron disintegrator. Howard destroys the laser that could have sent him home, and he stays on Earth and ends up playing guitar in Beverly's band. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch this thing. I, I actually own it on Blu-ray, um, just <laughs> to have record of it. Kind of like the it's kind of like the predecessor to Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which finishes with him. The movie finishes with him rocking out on stage. So here's some of the production on the Howard the Duck movie. So I mentioned earlier that there was some intention behind this movie being animated as it would be a more practical approach than filming a live action one. But Universal needed the film for the summer release, so there was no way to get an animated one done in time. This would also give George Lucas a chance to use his industrial light and magic, which was becoming much more advanced. They tried to recreate the look of the comic, but still slipped in you know some of their own little touches in there in the opening shots of duck world it looks like new york city and they include a lot of duck focused products i remember again depending when you grew up i remember the commercials showing him reading that copy of play duck and this struck a real chord because we knew this wasn't necessarily a kid's movie and it made it kind of enticing howard the duck was never intended as a kid's movie even though he looks appealing to kids and a younger audience, but it was always geared towards adults in sort of a, a national lampoon style. They also decided to steer away from the themes of the comics and the existential crisis that Howard was going through and the things that made it, you know, relatively deep. And they just wanted to make it a duck from space movie. With the involvement of Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic, the movie became more effects based instead of story or satire based. They would also change up the personality of Howard and make him a nicer character. But, you know, the movie would still contain a lot of sexual elements to it. So, again, just, you know, confusing to any kids not knowing what this was actually intended for. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So here's the, again, the actors of Howard the Duck. You know, Leah Thompson is the main draw to the movie after she's uh, played Lorraine Baines in Back to the Future and, you know, also starring a younger Tim Robbins before he would play Andy Dufresne in the iconic Shawshank Redemption. Mentioned Jeffrey Jones as the evil Dr. Walter Jenning. Uh, Jones was also the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you probably remember him. 
Holly Robinson Pete from 21 Jump Street and Hanging with Mr. Cooper is also in it. So for Howard himself, they had to do a few things. To betray him, they had to use a combination of animatronic suits, puppets, and costumes. They had such little time for production that some of the animatronics would lose all their feathers and even explode. They were also so poorly made that you could see inside the puppet when the mouth was open. It took so much coordination because of the poor suits that filming became a nightmare. They would have to constantly change up angles to hide the various faults. The scene where Howard, his head feathers, remember when they rise up when he's in bed with Leah Thompson? That scene took months to complete. The movie even features one of the first incidents of digitally removing objects from a film. The scene in uh, particular, again, if you haven't seen this, I mean, you could, you don't have to. It's it's probably better if you get familiar with this thing just to know where it stands as one of the greatest train wrecks of all time in film history. But there's a scene when Howard's chair is blown out of the apartment and it was done using wires, which they would then digitally remove later. And that hadn't really been done before in film. So it gave him a lot more options and possibilities as far as um, scene creation. So looking at playing Howard the Duck. So with Howard himself, the important thing was to get the voice right, as this was going to drive the movie. Robin Williams was actually being considered, but I, they, they thought that his voice was too recognizable and it could detract from the direction of the movie. They also considered Martin Short and Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, which is amazing. They went with an actor named Chip Zine, Z-I-E-N, or Z-I-E-N, depending on what country you live in. He was a Broadway actor and wasn't even cast until the movie finished shooting. To physically play Howard, they needed people shorter in stature. They would use various people to play Howard, but settled on a guy named Ed Gale, who was uh, at first considered too tall for the role and would be mainly used for stunts. They also cast a child actor, and this is where I have a little bit of a connection to this movie. Jordan Prentice was 13 years old and picked to play Howard the Duck, and he lived down the street from me, if you can believe it or not. I didn't know him. He was four years older, and he was in and out of town a lot, but I'd seen him walking down the street a few times. So this was a huge deal where I lived because everyone knew he was in Howard the Duck. No one knew like what the movie was going to turn out to be and that it was awful. Um, but at the time, it was a big-time blockbuster. You know, George Lucas was making this thing. Even the fact that it was someone in a movie was huge, and he had a this sort of like mythical reputation in the neighborhood. And again, I don't know him and he didn't didn't live here long, but it was a pretty surreal experience knowing Howard the Duck lived in my neighborhood and I'd seen him a few times walking around. So that's my little connection. The problem with this movie was the filming and how difficult it was. So especially for a younger person. And so Ed Gale, who I mentioned before, would take on more of the scenes because, you know, the costume, unsurprisingly, was uncomfortable and it was so hot, they would have to blow cool air into the costume between shots. Okay, so now this is the release of Howard the Duck. Go online. If you want to remember great 80s trailers, movie trailers, go on YouTube and just look up the original trailer for Howard the Duck. It, it, it's It's perfect. So there were a ton of technical issues shooting this thing, and they were under this time crunch. 
And I think this is what, you know, leads to the demise of the movie. I think if they had more time, I think things would have turned out differently. The initial test screenings before it was released had mixed responses, which I think made everyone nervous and with good reason. But they they put together these interesting trailers that are definitely compelling because it's this like cartoony looking character and it's a space science fiction thing. And I think from a trailer standpoint, it worked. But the movie came out on August 1st, 1986 and got obviously crushed by critics. It was called a quote, hopeless mess. And the acting was criticized along with it just being considered not funny. Today, it has a 15% score on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's considered the lowest rated Lucasfilm movie, which says quite a lot if you think what's been happening with that whole franchise. It was nominated for seven Razzies, won four of them, and considered one of the worst movies ever made. It didn't help that it came out on a pretty decent weekend alongside movies like Blue Velvet, Friday the 13th, um, Part 5, also Flight of the Navigator. You know, not the greatest movies in history, but pretty strong ones, um, considering, especially Flight of the Navigator, which is obviously epic. It's one thing to be a critical disaster, but it was a commercial failure, too. Say, like, you know, DC movies, which are usually trounced by critics, but make a friggin' fortune. So it works out. You know, they probably they don't really care less what anyone has to say about it. But in this case, you know, commercial failure. It would make just five million in its first week and putting it in third place. It would end up making sixteen million in the States and a total of thirty seven million dollars worldwide. This was against a budget of thirty eight million dollars. So that's relatively high for a movie of this sort. But it's still impressive that it kind of broke even. Um, but you know, this was far far from expected though. So they you know, they lost money with advertising and promotion. So they didn't lose a ton. But they were planning for this thing to be big. Like they were planning this to be like back to the future big and and huge returns. And it just it wasn't even close. So let's start winding it down here. The movie has fallen into that so bad it's good category. Um, and I agree with that. There's some things that are like they're like, oh, no, it's you know, it's got to be funny in some way. And, and some movies are just straight up so bad you can't. This one actually is amusing to watch like it is so bad that it it actually starts coming around and you're like this is kind of not that it's okay but like you can enjoy it you just have to watch it and just maybe get that sense of it and especially when you know what's happening behind the scenes to make this thing and the fact they even got it out in the theaters at all is kind of like a miracle so it leads to the enjoyment and just because it's so absurd and it's just so over the top and not good, but could have been good. So it's an amusing watch. So Howard the Duck itself or himself has had, you know, kind of this interesting evolution as well too. So you're obviously aware if you're a big Marvel fan, the use of him in the end credits of Captain America and his inclusion in Guardians of the Galaxy. There's still, there's become this positive association with Howard the Duck as again, like, I remember everyone freaking out seeing him in the credits. There's just this like mythical character of um, this train wreck movie, but it's kind of lent itself to sort of like urban legend. It's like, oh, look, there's Howard the Duck. The fact that they acknowledge him and recognize him. But remember, the comics were a big hit, um, bigger than a lot of other things um, over the years. 
that have turned into movies. So to see him, to see the fact they acknowledge him um, creates a lot of interest, I think. And and I think there is interest in him having another run, but I don't know if they would ever, and I don't think they could devote a whole Marvel movie to him. The, the, like, but that's the thing. I thought when they released Guardians of the Galaxy or when they, they announced Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, I didn't think that was going to work. I thought that was going to derail the momentum of Marvel. Not be a flop per se, but not work as a feature film. But again, shows how much I know. Same thing for Ant-Man. I didn't, I was like, I don't know if that would work. I think they're getting derailed a bit and, you know, getting into some fringe characters, which is what Howard the Duck is. So who knows? Like, who knows if that could work? The original movie itself was left open for a sequel, but I think we can rule that out. But a new direction for it could be amazing. There's the purported um, Howard the Duck series coming out for Hulu, created by Kevin Smith. I don't know how that's all working or when, or it's a ways off. We've been hearing this thing for years. So I think that's as close as we'd probably get to a Howard the Duck movie, but but that's still pretty awesome. Um, and I think people like that can do it justice. So it's it's funny to think about this forgotten movie that is technically part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's the very first one, if you want to get specific. It's the very first Marvel movie to ever exist. And it has developed a bit of a cult following. And again, like, you know, I do look back on this thing fondly where there's other movies you just completely dismiss and remove from your memory. Howard the Duck sort of holds a special spot. Like I said, I've... I tracked down the original comic. I have the Blu-ray of it. It's there's just something about it that sticks with you, and I think it, it stuck with those uh, executives at Marvel and Disney. The fact they include him a little bit in their blockbusters, even if it's just a cameo, there is still some significance to this character. Okay, that's everything on the Howard the Duck movie. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. Again, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe wherever you find your podcast. I should be there. If you really like the show, leave it a rating and review. That way more people get to see it. It helps me out. It helps everyone out. But that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.